What is going on, DJ Nation? Tyler Tambaline here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the RBC Canadian Open. And I'm hosting because it's Canadian Open and I'm Canadian. So everyone's favorite Canadian, as Kenny would put it. Kenny will not be with us for this week, so we'll be missing our favorite Korean. But we do bring on our favorite resident fill-in American, Mr. Ryan Baroff. Baroff, what's going on, man? How are you doing this week? Good. Happy to be here. Busy day today. Oh, busy day is right. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to cover it all because we like doing that here. There's timestamps. You guys want to go past it, unfortunately, with no Kenny, no story time with Kenny. But we're going to spend that time talking about Live Golf. I think it's still interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on in that world. We're, of course, going to break down the Memorial, break down the Listener League, talk about everything for this week going on with the RBC Canadian Open. Today had uh, the longest day in golf, all the the U.S. Open qualifiers, a lot of stuff going on with the Live Golf Invitational, whatever you call it, what we talked about earlier. We're going to mention that. And then we had also just, uh, you know, an abundance of stuff going on yesterday with that Memorial finale. We'll talk about Billy Horschel and the win. But before we get into it, Bear Off, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by DraftKings. Have a nice offer for you guys later for that before we get into the DFS tiers for this week. And then also our friends at Fantasy National, fantasynational.com slash FGD. Get yourself 20% off your first month of anything you want to try out there. It's right now is the best time because you get next week uh, is the major and then you'll get through even beyond that. There's still the travelers, the open, everything that's coming up in the future here. So definitely stay tuned for that offer. Bear off. We're going to start with the Memorial and the, I always like to drop this one, but the B in Billy for Billy Horschel stands, does it stand for Bud, Buddy, or Big Man? Because those are all things that he dropped at the very end on guys like Aaron Wise off the tee. And then calling uh, Jack Nicholas Big Man and Buddy uh, as an all-timer from Billy Horschel. But what, what did you think of the event and Billy Horschel closing it out? Yeah, B for brand. Um, I don't, yeah, he's always on brand. That's just, that's who Billy Horschel is. Um, yeah, you know, I did not, consider him at all he came up in some conversations early in the week just because he was the same price as Patrick Reed and seemed like an obvious pivot but um yeah I I have a bit of a bias when it comes to Billy Horschel that I'm only going to play him in the southeast going to play him when they're on Bermuda and uh yeah big whiff there and it's a shame because I had pretty much everybody else that was up there (laughs) yeah it was a good week overall if you look at the board like the, the other plays seemed it was a little bit chalky for the week I would say that for sure but like you said you still had uh, you know, mm-hmm. other guys up there, some of the ones that were more popular, like Aaron Wise, Neiman, Homa, uh, you know, a few of those guys up there. But then you still had like Sung Jay, um, Zalatoris ended up coming through. And Zalatoris was a conversation piece last week where you couldn't really have a, like you just couldn't have every guy in that range high owned. And so he seemed like he was going to be higher going in. But when you had the other names in that grouping and that's in that tier, I should say, it just worked out that he was only like anywhere from eight to 12 percent depending on the tournament that you're in another good showing for him. And then I talk about this all the time, but I think the Memorial has to be one of the best DFS lessons when it comes to early tilters or, and, or victory lappers because Mm -hmm. Cam Young won it on Thursday. I was, I was assured that Cam Young was winning this thing on Thursday, went out and just went off right out of the gates, looked so strong. And then I believe it was 82 or 84. I I forget what he put up. 84. Yeah. That's a rough Sunday for a guy like him. And then a guy like Adam Hadwin, who we'll talk about for this week, of course, not just because he's Canadian, some of the pricing changes, the betting odds, things like that with him, but he started round one at four over 
and battled back to like a T-18. So the memorial, Mirfield Village in general, is not a spot you want to worry about what goes on in day on day one. And then it's good for every week just to think about where, you know, nothing is set in stone on Thursday. It seems obvious. It seems cliche. But everywhere you go, uh, the discords, man, they're just unbearable. Sometimes mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, because everyone's claiming they've got, if you don't got this guy, no Cam Young, no money was the saying on Thursday. And look, hell of a talent, excellent golfer. What he's doing right now is incredible. But uh, it can, it can, everyone could have a bad day like that. That was a really bad day yesterday. So anybody else up the board like him or other guys, like who's down the board, I should say, but up the board or in the mix that you want to talk about, maybe as it pertains to this week or the upcoming at the U S open. And we can sort of lead that into the qualifiers as well. Well, I think one guy we have to talk about. So, I mean, so there's the ROM thing, yep. right? He finished 10. <laughs> yep. On the flip side, the other stud who's been really bad for a while is Morikawa, who missed the cut again um, at a course that should suit him very well. And I unfortunately made the decision to play him over Patrick Cantlay, both pretty low owned uh, last week, had to make a decision with my single entry because I was pairing them up with Xander uh, at the top, picked Morikawa, sadly. Uh, But again, like you're looking at a U.S. Open style player uh, who's now won two majors. Like, I don't know, he's going to be two or three percent, I'm sure at the U S open. Um, I have a lot of interest there as well. And, um, yeah, like somebody, we had Rom who backed door to top 10. You had Zalatoris who backed door to top five and somehow Patrick Cantley finished third. I have no idea yeah. how, how, how any of those things happen. Uh, but I think those are the names that are going to start generating buzz. Um, when neither, or yeah, I mean, none of those three guys really played that well, you know? Yeah, I, I agree that, I mean, there's that for sure. I was, I was hoping you'd bring up Cantley because obviously the winner, the eventual asterisk winner, as people like to call it, over Morikawa, who you mentioned just a moment ago there, and he ended up beating him last year in the playoff, but, you know, a winner before that already here, and now he pops another T3, Rom getting the T10. I, I'm not sure, is like, Rom, is he the new Rory now? Like, he's just going to do this? Because he still gets it with his record. It was funny, yeah. because there was actually even a quote last week. He was talking about eating the ice cream cone and chilling with his caddy, Adam, after the, the unfortunate withdrawal the previous year with the COVID-positive test. And the, uh, the other line that sort of struck me in a funny way was just the way he said, like, it wasn't about, the, it was nothing he could do at that point, but what his main concern was he did not want to go down as a WD because he yeah. had never WD'd in his life after starting a tournament without, you know, he's never, he's never done it. So this was a scenario that he just couldn't avoid. And he said, I should at least get a top 10 because he likes <laughs> keeping that for his stats. And yeah. then sure enough, he pops the T10 here. So it is a bit interesting from that aspect. Yeah, you know, I think the thing about Rom is he's still playing fine. Like, obviously, he doesn't have his A game. He's got a bunch of top fives, top tens. I don't think he's missed a cut yet this year either. Uh, it's just in the majors, in the players, he has not played well, right? And I think that's kind of one of the big things. But with Rom, I think what's happened is the gap between him and everybody else is gone. Like, Scotty Scheffler is now world number one. Yeah, Justin Thomas playing out of his mind. Lots of guys playing really well right now that, like, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say Rom is playing that much better than Zalatoris or Fitzpatrick. Like it's just, there's a lot of guys there who are playing well. Um, when two, three, four months ago, he was a very clear number one, even though he wasn't winning. Yeah. And, and the stats showed it and everything. So whether you want to believe it or not, it, it just was there. You saw it yeah. live. You saw it in the stats, everything showed. I think that was a great breakdown that you just had there. Cause the other guys, like you mentioned, like Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick, guys like that, that are just playing incredible right now. And then lastly, for me, like Sungjae was up there. That was nice mm-hmm. to see. You know, he keeps bouncing back slightly. I think he's an, always an interesting target because many forget his age. He, he falls right into the same age group as all the other studs that people are talking about. He's typically priced 
in the same range, like even last week, 8,900. And, and that was the thing for me. So this just stands out to me. It's not a victory lab. It's just to go back and look, we we're trying to learn from this and get better every week that we play, especially from the DFS aspect. It works for betting as well. But like last week, that 8K range, it had Davis Riley ends up coming T13. It had Mito at 8,000. He was T13. Uh, and then it had Cam Young, who was doing his thing until he wasn't. But if you look at the top, even go further up the board, you had Neiman, at 8,300, T3, Homa, 85, I forget now, 85 or 86 or something, T5. Yep. And then you had uh, Sungjae at 89, who's T10. And again, they all played similar similar ways, but just it's just that new age, like you talked about. The gap has just gone completely. So uh, playing the proven winners and the guys that come out and have got those Ws has certainly helped. But to see guys like Davis Riley continue, and now especially with Mito. Uh, and then I think, that's why I said, we may as well lean into these qualifiers right now because it'll be something we play on in the groupings today, we have to wait and see if more guys will WD based on picking up or punching their ticket to the U S open next week. And maybe they don't play here. We saw some other guys, Luke list got out earlier today, but uh, Davis Riley, I believe, what was yeah. it? A 69, 63 or something. Did you see that before we hopped on here? So yep. uh, he's looking well. pretty good for that. And when everyone was rushing to bet cam young last week, which the number had already got smashed or slashed completely, I looked and I saw Davis Riley still sitting at 80. I'm not sure what numbers you're seeing out there now or if you had any interest in that, but I was pretty intrigued. And so I did bet it at 80 to one last week. So uh, do I think he'll win it? Maybe not, but that's with the top five each way. I could have waited and got eight spots. You just never know what's going to happen. And he played pretty good last week too. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if I'm there for a major. We bet Berger at, at, at that same number. Same number, um, yeah. <laughs> it just seemed better. But yeah, I, I think back to your point, you know, I thought Ian was one of the best plays last week across the board. But it was a pivot off of Homa, Neiman, et cetera, who all crushed. So it just yeah. happened to be one of and the, and I mean, Cam Young obviously had a bad Sunday, but he was right there. Mito, you mentioned, not just he finished tied for 13th. He scored. He had streaks. He had an albatross. There was a lot going on there. So it was one of those weeks where uh, we always talk about these kind of 1v1 pivots when guys are popular. You could have played them all, right? Like you could have gone for the balanced approach where most guys are grabbing a stud, uh, grabbing a 9K, grabbing an 8K. You could have started with like Zalatoris, had two or three 8K guys, and probably had a pretty unique build. I think so too. And just to polish it off, like I always post on Twitter the you know the six guys in a range. Let's get your top three just to try and see you know what people are thinking. It's tough sometimes, even myself struggling with it. And if I had posted the 8K range last week, the answer would have been just pile a bunch of them in there, like almost like you said, Neiman, yeah. Homa, uh, Berger was in there, I believe. Im. Yep. Uh, you know, all those guys, Davis Riley, that's like f- five guys in the top 13 right there. And then Connors was 8,400. So yep. he's right there at T13 as well. Uh, lastly, Cam Smith plus five on Sunday still finishes T13. Mm. The, the guy, I just mean, he's still having the smallest of issues here and there, but it, it doesn't feel like his game is gone or anything like that. I, I was actually surprised. Yeah, we'll see. It, I mean, it seemed a little fluky. Like I, I think we talked about this last week that I thought the course fit was really bad for guys like Cam Smith and Jordan Speed. Speed obviously didn't play well. Smith obviously had a bad Sunday, played pretty well, but like he had a couple of chip ins, made some putts. Like, I don't know. I don't think he was going to do better than a top 10 or top 15 anyways. And at the price that he is now, that's not going to get it done. I agree. I chose him over Speed last week. And funny enough, doing the round two showdown show on the same spot we are now, the Mayo Media Network. 
I said after that, people were like, didn't you love him for round for classic? I said, I did. And I have a lot. And even though he's sitting five under after round one, I don't like where this is going. I said, I don't like what I saw from Cam Smith today, even though people would normally just look at the scoreboard and say, he's a great play. I, you know, I look into it a little deeper and I just didn't feel like it was that I was surprised to see him get to T13, but it's perfect, showed perfect week to go back to Cam Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, we're going to get into that here. Uh, okay. A- anything else you want to talk about for the Memorial? If not, we'll go to the um, Western League. Right I now. mean, Bryson is still broken. We talked about maybe sprinkling him in a little bit at, at a very, very low price, probably the lowest that we'll see. Although I guess at the U S open, he may be lower even as a past champion. So uh, he's just not right. Obviously not healthy. Uh, he is off, off the radar, probably off to live soon. So yeah, where we I can't wait to get to that. And like I said, people don't like it. Move on. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why we got the timestamps. But the other thing on Bryson is that even if he comes in at the same price mm-hmm. at the US Open, it's, you know, with the stronger field and everything like that. I mean, that's still a cheap price tag sure. for that guy. But it, it definitely, like you said, I did, I saw nothing that has me intrigued about going back to it. That's sort of one of those yeah. things where uh, like Rom is the worst. I know we already talked about, it, but it's like where he sucks you back in. I was like, it's my, if you, I said, if you've been on Rom, you are not fading him at the Memorial. That's just not the, spot no, that's the thing. Him. Like even as bad as he's playing, his floor is like 15th, 10th, 20th, 12th. And like, if you get the rest, right, you can still do okay with Rom. I, I agree. And you and I talk about this offline all the time, but with Rom, uh, that's why you don't necessarily want him at the birdie fest and the stuff that he goes on about the fucking putting contest and that it's not because he's not good enough to win them. I mean, he won Mexico open, but everyone's like, Oh, but it wasn't handily. It's just, yeah. it's not the best setup for him. Everyone else gets on more equal ground, even more than what you said. And then you get a place like the Memorial or the U S open as it always is as hard as it is, as it is, you want a guy like him for four straight days of golf where the consistency and the skill level should be able to shine through versus others. It's very hard, even with how good they've been playing to give four straight good rounds. So uh, Rom's three rounds can sometimes be enough, but we we can move on. We will talk more about this in the upcoming. We'll talk more about some of these guys here in a moment, but we'll do the listener league right quick. I'm going to read you off the winner. Congratulations to R Harker came in first uh, quite handily 519 points. Second place was 483. So a complete blowout when it comes to that. Uh, a different group this week. I don't see a lot of the guys that are normally up here. I always follow this leaderboard quite heavily just before we get on the show. And I didn't see a lot of return finishes, but our Harker's lineup, Xander Schauffele, Will Zalatoris, Neiman, Mito, Aaron Wise, and Steele. So uh, if you talk about earlier, the chalk hitting this week, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. The lowest owned guy they had was Will Zalatoris in the league at 9.5%. Uh, the rest at 15 or more. And Neiman was 28. Like, uh, you know, not a, not the worst from filling it out, but overall, uh, pretty chalky lineup. And it got the job done handily, like I said. Any thoughts on that? No, pretty similar. That's how I started. Both my cash and my single entry was uh, my three core plays last week were Xander Neiman Steele. Um, just kind of started there. My my mistake was Matt Kuchar, who didn't quite get there uh, as, as a pivot off of Patrick Reed. And then my last punt uh, was very bad. So Adam Long, not good. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. He's in this field. But yeah. I, I kind of like it from the perspective that looks kind of like they started with like a play the best plays style, but maybe mm-hmm. from bottom up because Wise was definitely too cheap. I, I was, you know, at 7,500. It just didn't look right at all. And 6,600 for Steel, sort of everybody loved it. I like the pivot to like EVR or maybe just skip that range and don't land there as yep. a way to get different. Sometimes you always look for a pivot but I'm trying to look for a different angle. Like maybe I just dropped to a way cheaper 6k guy or just stay in the 7k range. It was just so good. The ball striking is just oh, yeah. like 
Yeah, I mean, that was just a bad price. That's all that was. Yeah, really bad price. You said that to me afterwards, too. You're like, just one of those things. So those two, if you started with them, I mean, Mito at 8,000 made sense from that perspective. Neiman, and then you just land on X and Willie Z. Yeah. Like, can't really be mad about that. It's a pretty good way to round it out, a pretty good way to do it. So congrats yeah. to R. Harker. We'll, we'll get him into the four-man this week. Kenny, uh, and I, I didn't talk about it earlier, Kenny's got a work thing today, so he just couldn't be with us for this week, but we'll be back. We'll be recording the major show earlier like always we'll get it out probably sunday night to you guys for next week the lister league will be back already confirmed with my reps so not only was it back for this week as our harker took it down we filled it up we've got it out i tweeted it out today at toe tag and tambo on twitter you guys can find it there that's got 750 spots for this week and then we're going to go right all the way up and double it so 1500 for next week with a pretty balanced payout structure i think it's gonna be a thousand to first go down from there and be pretty balanced so definitely fill this one up quickly this week and then we've, of course, got the contests and whatnot going on. So when we do get into the ranges later, don't forget to go on, like this video, subscribe to the Mayo Media Network, and then throw it in the comments, your favorite fade, $8,000 or above on DraftKings this week. We're putting that in there. That's where the ballots are coming from. And then the bonus ballots from leaving a podcast review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. So do that for us. Helps us out a ton, keeps this show free. And then, of course, can win you those $100 Millimaker tickets. We are confirmed. We're giving two away. And then I'll talk more about my own personal contest later with even more Millie Maker tickets. But let's do this bear off. Let's go to live golf. We, we had a lot go on today. I'm excited to talk about it. I know everyone, like yeah. to me, everyone out there is all oh, the strength of field or the I won't miss these losers, all that. I, I talked to Mayo a little bit about it on last week's Wednesday live show chat. And I just said, I think it's more about the disruption, right? It's, it's something different. It's something new. It's, you know, it sounds like today and that's part of the news. So let's start with your general thoughts because you and I haven't got to talk about it on air or anything like that, but mm -hmm. with uh, just general thoughts, what you see going on with it, the longevity of it, uh, the fact guys like DJ are taking these mass amounts of money. Uh, Phil Mickelson was announced today for what lo looks like around 200 million. So general thoughts on the league and just how you see it in general from your perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's going to get off to a slow start, right? I mean, they got some names, they got Phil, they got DJ, they got a couple other guys, uh, but it's going to be a slow start. Uh, but they have an unlimited amount of money. And I mean, there is going to kind of be a point where the guys on the PGA tour, just like, yes, there's legacy. Yes. There's all of this, but like, how much do you care about the Sanderson farms? Right. How much do you care about the RBC heritage? Like, yes, they're good events, but you can go somewhere, make 10 times as much money with a lot of guaranteed money, which right now those guys, they don't have any guarantees. Um, and of course the top guys make a lot of money off, the uh, golf course, but 99% of these guys don't. They have very little sponsorship deals. They have to pay for expenses. They're not flying private, nothing like that. So I think it affords a lot of opportunity, but it's also like, it's a very small field, right? And we talked about this. Liv seems to have been very strategic about who they pick. They got a couple of the college guys, the amateurs, got some Asian tour guys, got some Aussie tour guys, got the Europe guys, got a few PGA guys. They want to give opportunities because they really do want to make this global and go after everybody. Um, and I do think the PGA Tour is in a tough spot because how do you combat this? Uh, until they change their model and there is a lot of guaranteed money out there, like, yeah, they did a $40 million pip, but that went to 10 guys, the 10 guys who didn't need the money either. So um, it's, it, it's going to be interesting, but I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I actually think it's going to open up uh, the can of worms, if you will, a little bit more, because it's like you said, and for the PGA, I think it's, you know, we, we may see it. I'm not sure how soon we got to see how this thing rolls out in London this week, of course. And there's an event coming up in Portland, which I think is even more interesting because it's after the U S open it's after some guys get to see sort of how this thing shakes out and what it looks like out of the gates. But just in general, uh, you mentioned a couple things there, like the model where, and it's not the models that we're always talking about here, fantasynational.com, but just in general, the model of the PGA tour right now is not a lot. And like you said, they don't all fly private as much as I do put them on the private GIF when I fly them out on Friday when the chalk misses the cut. But I do think that it's interesting. They, they may have to go to something like that, right? I, I think it was Joel Damon last year. I don't want to quote it or anything because I don't, I don't care to be honest, but I, I just don't, th- I think it was him that said like, where did they just find this 40 million? They obviously have mm-hmm. the money to pay it. Sure. But like you said, and then it just goes to the 10 guys that it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, that so think about a guy like Taylor Gooch, right? Who was probably the biggest surprise, right? He is going to get in all eight events, right? If he comes in last place in all eight events, he's going to make about $2 million, right? For eight events, only three rounds. And he also probably got it, you know, 18, 20, $25 million to go. Yeah. That's, that's my thoughts. So I mean, what are you going to like, do? He might've got paid today. And, and I said, I thought like, I, I think 15 million sounds correct for a guy like him. It's nowhere near DJ money. It's not even going to be what Poulter got supposedly 30 mil, but it doesn't matter because he wants these smaller, weaker fields. And like you said, he, he's not going to come in last place. He's not going to come in last. Is. No, it's like, it's like a PGA tour win or two based on coming in last in all the events. He's going to probably going to make half a million dollars per week yeah. uh, playing the events. At least maybe he wins one, maybe he wins two uh, plus what he's getting on the side. So yeah. yeah, like a guy like that. And look, if they are going to be allowed to play in the majors, great. Like that's what they care about. I think the biggest concern for a guy like Taylor Gooch is how does this affect the world ranking points, right? Because if they're not giving world ranking points or they're not giving much for these, he will eventually not qualify for the majors. A guy like Mickelson, he basically is kind of lifetime into everything. DJ, pretty much lifetime in, 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 into all the majors. A guy like Gooch, not. Yeah. And that's where you got to think back to, like you said, as much as everyone goes after the legacy conversation and whatnot, sure. For some, that's what the case is, or for some are in their prime and they already have money coming in hand over fist. It doesn't matter. And the tour earnings are the least of their concern. Like that's, they're just there for the trophies, the majors, and they already have the money coming in from every angle with sponsorships and whatnot. But uh, for a guy like Gooch, I think it's just mostly, maybe he's not about that, you know, as much as he'd like to have it and he'll get to play in some out of the gates. What if he pulls off out of the, maybe this week he wins it and it's, what is it? Three, four million. It's a team event this week. So yeah. I know the money split differently. I think it's 3 million split amongst the team. Is that correct? So it'd be seven. Yeah, but in, that's, that's in addition to kind of what they're making on, on the individual side. So, yeah. you know, at a minimum, he's going to be making a couple hundred grand this week. Oh man. Like it's just, it's massive yeah. amounts of money. So that's what I mean. So you definitely have to understand a little bit from where these guys are coming from and just, you have to realize, I think that some of these guys just don't care about yeah. what you think they should care about. That's just really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, we had some other things go on. So Kevin Na resigned over the weekend today. Uh, I think it was, so it was Louie, uh, Charles, Brandon Grace, and yeah. one other guy. Who was it? Uh, Sergio. Sergio. Yeah. So what's, what's the situation with that? You, you know, you know a little bit about it, but I think there's more to yeah. it when it comes to part of the major obligations or potential for a loophole there, where if they were suspended from the tour, they might not be able to play in the majors, but what are your general thoughts on it there? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know much about it. I, so I know that kind of guys like that, all the veteran guys, they get a pension, right? That pension is not going to be affected by this. If they resign and don't get suspended, there's basically no repercussions. You can't suspend somebody who's not a member. Um, So if there is something like if the majors make a stance and say, Hey, if you are suspended from the tour, 
you can't play this event. Well, they've now found that loophole, right? Now, a guy like Louis, you know, his run in majors is going to end soon, right? He is not going to be exempt. Uh, for Charles, kind of same thing, except for the Masters where he can play. And kind of same for Brandon Grace. But again, if these guys are going to be making $30, $40, 50000000 million over the next couple of years, they could give two shits about the majors. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's exactly what it was, the case of that. We'll wait and see how it all plays out. But then, you know, the other side of it is, too, uh, you mentioned I was talking to you earlier about it. Like, what's more to, you know, who else is going to happen here? So today, the big announcement was Phil Mickelson, upwards of 200 million-ish. It looks like sort of waited what DJ got and then got what he got, says sort of everything's for the love of the game and growing the game and all that. I know there's already some backlash for how he's treating it, not just saying, I took the money, but at the yep. same time, it sounds like there's more to come. One of the early mentions today with Phil tied to Phil actually was Ricky Fowler. And then I know at the U S open qualifier today, Ricky missed by one stroke. Mm-hmm. And then it was asked by somebody, I forget who it was maybe rich learner and said like, what's the situation now with live. And he said, I'm still doing what I said. I'm not going back. I'm, I'm sticking with the PGA tour, but I remain intrigued by live. So what, what do you think Ricky Fowler has got on his mind there? What's he looking to do? Exactly. And then on top of it, uh, who are some of the other guys you see joining this thing sooner than later? Yeah, uh, look, I mean, Fowler's gone. I think we knew this long ago. And there's a couple of reasons for it. One, I mean, his status is up next year. I think he has one more year of status on tour. He's not playing well enough to keep his status. Um, He makes a lot of money off the golf course, right? But when you don't play well for a long time, that stuff goes away too. Um, He's the type of guy where at this point, even playing as badly as he's playing, he can probably get 50 to $80 million from live. He'll make a lot of money over there. Uh, and he absolutely probably should do it. And the guys like that, that are struggling, they absolutely should. Um, and we can talk about other guys who are. Oh, yeah, let, let me ask you this. I'll rephrase. If, 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 I think I'm with you. Ricky's next to go the yeah. next quote unquote, big name after Ricky, if you had to pick four or five guys in order, you could see them going and you can go more if you want. I just, yeah. I think that you're going to nail this. So I'm curious to what you think, because you're usually pretty good at this stuff. Who do you think the next five would be in the order that they join after Ricky? Yeah. I mean, so there's some obvious ones, right? Like obviously Jason Kokrak is going, we know that he's already said he's going Johnny Vegas is sponsored by golf Saudi. He's going. Um, I still think a couple of the older guys, the um, like Paul Casey Rose, I could see them playing some of those events in terms of kind of the big name Americans. I think Brooks is, is a very obvious candidate. Uh, Brooks is exempt in majors for a very long time, so he can continue to play those and rack those up. Probably good through 2027 or 2028, considering all the wins that he has. Um, and his brother is playing this event, right? The first event. Yeah. The only way Chase Kepka got a spot in that field is if they got a, at least a verbal commitment from Brooks. May not be signed yet, may not play every single event, but uh, it's the only reason why he's there. So I think that's an, that, that's an interesting one. And the other one is Xander. You know, we've seen Xander play some of these events overseas um, in Japan, in Asia. Um, he's good friends with Mickelson. And uh, Mickelson did mention today in his first interview that, you know, he's been back home and playing with his friends and things like that. Uh, even though he lives in Arizona now, I would not be surprised if Xander's one of those people that he's been playing a lot of golf with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could definitely see that. Like Xander is exactly the type of guy who is having a pretty good career, not really winning a lot. He's going to be able to play majors for a while because of his ranking. Like, go make $100 million. Let's go. Do. A couple of things there come to mind. The Xander thing, for sure, I think is might not spark in as many people's minds, but definitely with the Mickelson connection. Mickelson's always talked to him. It was like the next He played in thing. Saudi this year, by the way, too. He played the Saudi yep. International there, so. 
Yeah. And then of course the running joke was Xander, right? Short field, no cut events. Those yeah. are his things. So talk about them $4 million prizes up top and whatnot. He could definitely find himself to, I, I think he could find himself to one or two of those as well. I know it's only eight events. So it's hard to say it, winning one would be massive yeah. for anybody. It's more than Cam Smith won at the increased largest player pool or prize pool ever at the players. So that, that would tell you everything you need to know for these guys. But Xander would definitely be up there with DJ as a favorite. And Hey, here's the thing about DJ being the favorite at all these tournaments. He got 125, if not more up front on top of the long-term and the guarantee and everything, not saying he won't be motivated to go out and get it, but if he doesn't finish first, it's not the end of the world. So it's not crazy for a guy like Gooch or nah, or Louie or a guy like Xander to go over and snatch one up. So I think the other interesting angle here, right, in terms of who's going, kind of the long-term plan for Liv, right, is the amateurs. So, uh, like, they have a couple of those guys going, the guy from Arizona State, David Pooch, who's very, very good. Uh, and you look at a couple of the other top amateurs, like, we're going to talk about Chris Goddard up today, like, a guy like that. Um, the Spanish kid, Chikara, from Oklahoma State, who is kind of being mentored by Sergio. Like, if yep. those sort of guys start going, like, that is – what will really impact the future of the PGA tour. Like if Liv came out in 2020, like what if they just took Wolf Hovland and Morikawa, right? Yeah. Or you go before that. What if they took Rom and Neiman and Bryson and Cantlay and all those amateurs who are really good? Like what would the tour look like now? Right. So I think that's the bigger fear for the PGA tour. Not, okay, we're going to lose Louie and Charles right now. That, oh, for sure. Like, that's yeah. a matter. But like, or if this was 10 years ago and they lost Xander and Speed and JT in that class, like, that is a bigger deal. And, that, and that's what I'm saying when I, when I keep mentioning the word disruption, that yeah. matters way more to me. And that's where I thought, I don't think people are seeing the bigger picture where they're just saying, Oh, it's Louis Sergio, Charles. You mentioned like Sergio with Chikara as like a little mentorship there. That's mm-hmm. crazy because it's not about Sergio going. It's what his sway might bring with him. It's not about Phil going. That was going to be obvious, but what if he pulls Xander situational stuff like that, where it does kind of matter in the long term because if they start, leading with just the guys they have now it's still going to be just fine we're going to watch yeah. it it's going to be bigger it's still going to be the bigger tour in my opinion but at the same time you know that's the obvious i think from right now at least but you never know what the next 10 years brings and how that looks it is a disruption factor that can never be a bad thing it can sometimes be a good thing so we'll have to see how they execute talking about drone cameras and uh, extra microphones out there trying to get stuff set up differently and you never know uh, mayo mentioned it last week like when xfl first came out it wasn't about xfl it ended up being terrible out of the gates but some of the stuff they brought across was stuff that the nfl could adapt and bring in so maybe that's what happens here and hopefully the pga learns from it and creates something better and then lastly on brooks just to note uh, had his wedding this past weekend so he's going the full dj route his old buddy They, you know, they used to be buddies at least, but he's going the full DJ route. He had the, you know, he's partying with Ludacris at his own wedding, doing an opening set or something, whatever that was, or a party set. He's got a, uh, a romper men's jumpsuit on with pictures of him and Jenna in cartoon-esque on the jumper. Like this guy can't wait to get over there. He all, he's all about living. Well, I think that's exactly why he wasn't there for the first event. It was just a scheduling thing. Like I, I would fully expect when this becomes a stateside affair in Portland in a few weeks after the majors, like, yeah, a bunch of these guys are going to play. And that's for sure why we're talking about it. I don't think it's going to go away. And it's, it, you know, might say like, uh, here's another thing, the last point I'll end on, then you can chime in on it if you have thoughts. I, I mean, I have no information on this. I don't know at all, but uh, the betting numbers are out there. If you want to talk about that in a second, you can. But at the same time, I, I just don't see... I can't speak for it, but I don't see daily fantasy getting there because there's so many different factors with it right now. Like it's not Mm -hmm. going to be very big. 
Yeah, it's pretty small to begin with. The team factor makes it so confusing out of the gates. They're switching teams every event they go out to, so they'd have to be ready to go on what the team selection is to then pump it in. They can do it. I'm just saying for what the, the interest level actually would be, we just saw it with USFL, right? It came out big the first week. There was people doing everything. They had the stats out there. We would have all the same stuff from the golf world, even more so with all the sites we have, the stats we have, the know-how. It's great. Yeah. But like they haven't even put big DP World Tour tournaments out there really for the most part or big LPGA tournaments out there no. for the most part. So And they didn't do contests for Saudi, um, at least right? at the outset. So um, I don't, yeah. I mean, the team thing is weird. Like I'm, I'm all for new formats and things like that, but it's not a team event per se because you're also competing against your team members. Yeah. Like you're playing for much more money by yourself than you are as a team. Um, I know the, the kind of last event down at Doral, they're really kind of pushing the team aspect and everyone's going to make a shit ton of money down there. I'll be there. I'm definitely going to go nice. uh, kind of watch that. But um, I think that one will matter a little bit more. And I also think at that point, you're going to have a lot more guys there that we know. Yeah, I think even for the Portland one. And, and I don't know, did, like, yeah. I'm not that up on it. I didn't read into it. But do, do you know, will the Portland one be more guys or will they hold the number and it's just going to rotate some in, some out? No, they're they're keeping the 48. Um, and okay. so, again, like, I think these guys who went first and signed these deals – I think they're going to be able to play all eight events and that's their plan. Like Nog, Gucci, like that's why they're there. Those, those um, ones for sure. I just wonder if some will get rotated out because like, if you, it is what it is, but once Ricky gets added, once these other guys come across, yeah, but like if, want if, them if, in the field. If like Brooks goes now, right. He's going to play the next seven, right. Like, yeah. He's not just going to go and play one or oh, two. For sure. Yeah. Like, it's, it's if you're decision. going for the money, you're going to go for the money. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was more so wondering like who you think, how it works like on who gets pushed out because some of the guys that got added late were almost more like qualifiers that no yeah, like you can say it's going to be based on like world ranking but i guarantee you there's a small brain trust starting with greg norman and they're gonna handpick who's gonna go where yeah you're not playing this week bud sorry like, like we saw robert garrigus said that he put in this relief robert garrigus may not get to play any events you know yeah. nobody wants robert garrigus like the yeah. rbc canadian open wants him this week that's right he's, he's here play. so he can play well, we'll use that. We'll segue to it. If in the betting segment at the end, bear off, you want to add a couple bets. I know you got some ridiculous numbers on these live guys and then they got changed up and now Phil's getting added and all these factors, but yeah. it's not a huge deal. I just think it was interesting to note, like you said, it was almost like they forgot it was a 48 man event. Some of the odds were extremely skewed, but yeah. let's get into this week. Let, let's move on. We can talk about this all day. I'm sure. But uh, people want to come here for the RBC Canadian open. I'm excited for this event. I still like it. They definitely beefed up the field some, but they beefed it really top heavy. So when we get into the tiers, you'll see where there's a drop off almost immediately. And it's funny. Everything goes with that. The betting odds, the, yeah. the salary pricing, the, the fantasy national model ranks, literally anything you're doing this week is going to tell you how top heavy this is. And we'll be able to talk through that a little bit, but talk to me a little bit. First off, anything don't have to do the full Kenny Kim preview for the week, but what do you know about the course? things that you've maybe heard locally that are just coming in from you're not there locally. I mean, like from people that are there locally yeah. that you might've heard passed across and then any of the stats that you're looking for as well. Yeah. I mean, just starting with the course, it's, you know, a par 70 on, on the shorter end, but you get the five par threes and the three par fives, which is kind of unique. So I do think par five scoring may be a little bit more important than it is on most par 70 layouts. Uh, but it seems like the rough is up. The greens are small and very undulated. Uh, and I feel like they're going to try and make this tough. Like it's the week before U.S. Open. This is one of the reasons why a lot of the top players are here, and they don't want a minus twenty winning score here. That's that's not why they're here as a tune-up. They want to have tough full locations. They want to scramble. 
they want to practice their putting things like that. So I do think it's going to play tough. I think it's going to be irons and uh, scrambling. Uh, I don't think you can overpower this golf course, especially if the rough is up. Um, I don't know much about the weather up there right now. You can probably help out with that, but uh, I think that'll play a factor as well. Yeah, definitely looks like there's going to be some rain coming into it. So we'll see at least uh, some rain, which you know can yeah. soften things up. But at the same time, that also it does sound from my early stuff that I'm hearing and guys that are there that the rough is already up. So if it's anything like, you know, Memorial last week, obviously that little bit of rain coming in, that makes the rough just that much tougher to mm -hmm. get out of. You just don't have the option. So uh, the scrambling, like you talked about, and just the fact it's still the week before a major, you go back to 2010, not using it for anything this week. Uh, even if you want to get your Luke Donald on this week, it won't be because 2010, he came third, that he has a good week here. It'll be because he's sort of had a little bit of a resurgence with the irons a bit lately, but we'll, we'll talk more on him later. I'm not in love with it. I just said, Someone brought him up today, and I think that would be the only thing you could say about it. But uh, just from that perspective with the weather and whatnot, like the scoring will be affected. I think it was 14 under when uh, Carl Pedersen won it back then. And now this year, what do you see as a winning score? Like, uh, you know, technology's changed, but so is yeah. the course with all those renovations and setups. So what do you see for a winning score here? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends how they trick out the whole locations. I would say probably 12 or 13 under seems like a pretty good target. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple guys got beyond that, but I yeah. think that's kind of what we see this week. I, I was going to say similar. I was going to say like maybe a, a Billy Ho setup, even if you do shimmy it up a little bit to like mm -hmm. someone gets to 15, but the rest of the pack is sort of behind that. I, I can see that uh, maybe more, who knows? Like I said, the technology is yeah. better. The field is extremely strong and we try and play for this all the time. I just hate doing it to be honest, but like, What's the motivation is, you know, JT was at, um, he was at the, the site for the, the U S open today. Yeah. And you, you tweeted it out. I saw it. I love that call. Last time he did that, he went on to win said major uh, that's for next week. But what does that mean for this week? What type, yep. what type of JT do we get? But I think it's just so hard to sort of handicap it or try and pick it out from a DFS perspective. Like, Oh, does this guy really care about this week? They're, they're here. Like, you know, what's yeah, the I mean, I don't think anybody has a good argument for fading Rory JT or Scotty Scheffler. Like there isn't a good argument, you know, right. I mean, play any of them, all of them, whoever you want to play, but like, that's not going to make or break your week because they're all awesome plays. Oh, for sure. And we're going to get to the tiers shortly here. Uh, last thing before we go to uh, the setup for this week, just, you know, as far as the, the, the things you mentioned, I do think that's interesting. Like the five par threes with four of them being pretty long, all over mm -hmm. 200 yards. Uh, and then the par fives and all of that, like for, for a shorter course with that setup, it does sound like the bunkers around the greens will for sure be an issue. Like, so you got to have that. Uh, we'll talk about a guy, Thigala later at a pretty nice bunker shot on late Sunday that sort of sticks in my mind that I can remember. Yeah. And then you've got uh, just the, the fact that it does seem like there still could be some longer irons out there just based on the fact of those longer holes, the, the ability to play those longer par threes, the par five scoring is where you get the job done. And then while the fairways are generous, it sounds like it does uh, seem pretty clear that that's where you want to be. Set yourself up, put yourself in position to be able to get up there. If not, have a pretty good around the green and sand game. So I like that call as well. Uh, before we get into the tiers, though, let's get into the ad read for this week. We've got a very special offer for you guys from DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 275 is stacked. Step into the octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, Knockout, submission, or even judge's decision, no matter who wins or how the fight ends, new customers can bet $5 on UFC 275 and get $150 in free bets instantly. Everything here for a big payday. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook newest UFC feature, Same Game Parlays. 
You can combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, you can place the same game parlay for Saturday's fight, and if it hits, you'll double your winnings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FGD. Throw down just $5 on UFC 275 and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's code FGD this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so let's do this. Let's get into these tiers. Bear off. We've got Scotty Scheffler, world number one at the top, 11,100, down to Sam Burns, who... Look, he's up to 10K at least now, but just see, this guy just can't stop. He just beat Scheffler in a playoff. He's having himself a pretty good year in his own right. So see what people do with him. But I think, like you said earlier, it's going to be these three at the top where the main focus goes. And I'm curious, like, is Justin Thomas the guy that people just continue to play over Scotty? Or is, are people going to go to Scotty now? Does Rory for the little bit of savings get popular? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on these guys at the top in general, all this range and ownership as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Rory's going to get the ownership. I do. Um, if, if any of those three get squeezed, I'll say it's probably Scotty Scheffler just because pricing's a little tighter this week. Like you said, and we'll talk about, there's not a ton in the sixes. There's a lot of guys in the nines and upper eights that people are going to want to play. And it's just hard to get there when you're paying over 11 K for Scotty Scheffler. So I think it'll be Rory JT Scotty, uh, in that order for ownership of, of the top three. But then, yeah, you have another three guys over 10K in Burns, Lowry, and Cam Smith. Um, Lowry, who is basically popular every week, finally cooled off a little bit. And he's at a price now that I I just don't think people can – I certainly can't play him at this price. I don't think people will as well. Um, Torn on Burns and Smith, but just overall, I think it's a better course fit for Cam Smith. So um, I would say Rory is my favorite. Cam Smith, probably my second favorite up here. Yeah, funny enough, too, with the Rory factor, like even last week, the higher stakes you went, uh, people did still go Rom over Rory, but Rom is not here. And, you know, it's JT and Scotty for more money. It costs a lot more to go up to them. I know it's only 400 or $600, but that adds up in a field like yeah. this. You'll see, like I said, I, I talked to you pre-show, when we get to the 6K range, it will go very fast. I can tell you that <laughs> because there is 92, or I think it's 92 guys in the 6K range, if not 93 uh, where, you know, maybe eight of them I feel like are playable. Yeah. Like it's honestly that bad. There's the Canadian amateurs. There's, it, it's a very bad setup. It's almost reminiscent of a U.S. open where the field will be very strong, but it has the mid range that we don't have here, but at sure. the bottom has the qualifiers and amateurs and things like that, where you could just scrape some off. That's definitely the case here this week. I like the Cam Smith call though. I do think if you look like this is not, to me, it's not the same as last week, but if you wanted to call it like mirror field light in a sense of, if that rough is thicker and tough, the bunkers, the tougher greens, the faster greens, all that stuff, uh, and playing tougher because it's the week before the U.S. Open, I liked what I saw from Cam Smith. Like I said, I didn't like what I saw from after day one. I don't yeah. like the the result on Sunday. It scared me after I was on him. But I think now when you think about, like you said, I like this setup for this course fit. It's better for him is what I'm trying to say because I think now you have those little bit more generous fairways. I think if he just rounds out a little bit better than what he was doing last week, and then you look at, Rory, JT, and Scotty above him, it's a way to still get unique while still playing sort of a stars and scrubs. You're just dropping down a little bit. So I'm with you on him. I think I'd still have some interest in Burns. We'll wait and see. I just mm-hmm. have a tougher time playing Lowry, who uh, I think we had to go back. It was 2015 for his Bridgestone win. Like, yep. you know, he's got the the Open Championship, obviously, but Burns has won three times this year. 
Uh, when you're talking about win equity, I don't care yeah. what the, the numbers say elsewhere at 10,000. And we're going to get to Fitzpatrick in a second, playing some absolutely incredible golf. I think a perfect setup for him here again. But in 2022, and we've talked about this plenty this season, people don't care about the miscut last week. They go right to the but mm. he lost the most strokes ever putting. That will never happen again. Only twice he's even lost like that. Both were at Mirfield Village. He still struck the ball well. So Burns could be the play right in there at 10,000. Cam Smith. And then up top, it just feels like you got to keep going to Scotty. Uh, he doesn't seem to be like the guy that cares about the skip this week to just get practice for next week type of guy. Again, we don't want to get into all that. But I just think he continues to go overlooked. And, you know, why? why? He just keeps playing that well. I want to continue to fade him, but... Uh, we'll see how the week shakes out with those three guys at the top. But for sure, I've got a little bit of interest in Burns. And I definitely think I like Cam Smith at 10-3. Any other thoughts that upper range? If not, take us into the 9K range. No, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Cam Smith here, because it's a, a much shorter golf course, he doesn't need to hit as many drivers, so he won't be as wild. Uh, I think he can really uh, excel in the short game here. And again, he did, he finished, what, 13th last week? But that quote-unquote burned people, especially with a bad Sunday, so I think we're finally going to see him down maybe in that, that 10 to 12% range. And I think I will definitely be overweight there. It's a, it's a fair number. And that's what I was trying to say. Opposite. Like I meant what I said earlier, like I did not like what I saw from, but I was interested in him going into the week last week. Mm-hmm. So I owned quite a bit of him. I did not like what I saw from after one round, but what I was trying to say what you just made a better point of was I liked that he sort of let people down a little bit, myself included, but now comes to what is a better course fit for what I think his game is. You talked about it being a little bit shorter off the tee can maybe go, go away from that driver some and set himself up a little bit better. And I think all the other tools that he needs are just fine around the green. He was still burning edges, lipping out Mm -hmm. things like that, that he did at the PGA championships. That's the only reason I've got a little bit of interest in him there, but Again, you've got Rory, JT, and Scotty right above him. So how much we go there, we'll wait and see. That's the range we'll sort of know more as the week goes on. I'll be on the Mayo Media Network here with Pat on Wednesday for the live show chat. Have all things a little bit more final than where we are right now. But let's hop into this 9K range, Bearoff. What are you doing with your boy Fitzy? And what are you doing with the rest of this range? I mean, everything. I love it all, except except for Harold Varner. I'm not going to play uh, 10K Harold Varner. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you'll absolutely see some flop lag on, on Fitz, even though that literally had his best two ball striking days of the season. Uh, he would have been number one across the board had he made the cut. So had his worst putting performance that I can remember. I think he lost, what, eight strokes putting or something. Almost, uh, yeah. Absolutely going back there. It's a short course, accuracy course. You need to chip and putt. Like, couldn't be a better setup for Fitz. Uh, even better than last week because it's a much shorter golf course. He'll feel a lot more comfortable here. Um, absolutely love him here. The issue that I'm having with Fitz is that I love everybody else, <laughs> too. I, I love Corey Connors. A little bit overpriced, but I play Corey Connors. Love Tiro Hatton. Already bet him. I've been playing Tony Finau for the last four or five weeks. I will go right back there again. Love Tony Finau. So, and then I love Adam Hadwin. And then there's Chris Kirk. So, like, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, and it's just going to lead me to more balanced builds. Yeah, I feel very good, uh, much better, at least about this range than up top. Because up top, you can kind of let ownership decide things. You can roll with your gut where you feel like if, if you find that everyone's going to JT or Rory and leaving Scotty unowned, you can just do that. that that's a, like you said, you can't really go wrong up there with your decision. It's yeah. more of you have to sort of go with your gut because they're all going to be similar. It's just where you want to roll with it. But this range, um, Corey Connors, I like, I, I know it looks overpriced, but the thing about the Hadwin versus Connors thing, like last week, Connors was 8,400. Hadwin was 6,800. I do agree. 
uh, that we, I think we talked about this earlier with someone else. Maybe I was talking with that Havlin was underpriced last yeah. week. And that's why he ended up on the optimal at 6,800. Like the guy just made perfect sense. But at the same time, they basically finished with the same score. Connors beat him by one stroke. And now all of a sudden Havlin gets the massive jump up to his range. So maybe that keeps people off. But when you've got Hatton and Fino right there, I actually have a little more interest in them. Maybe you squeeze the Canadians. Right. But I, I do like Connors yeah. with you. So he's the one I have a hard time squeezing out. I'm good with you on the Varner decision. I'm not really high on many others here. Uh, Chris Kirk, I like who you mentioned. And then Keith Mitchell, I don't love. But if you go back, so 18th at the Memorial, he's yeah. eight for nine made cuts. He's really solid on those longer par threes. And there's four of them here. And I expect him to make the weekend. So 16 of those. And then his par five and DK scoring are solid too. So maybe he's a guy that finds some scoring out there that can, can find you a little bit more value for 9,000. So I did bet him. I'll talk about that later, but Mitchell, Kirk, mm-hmm. Finau, Hatton, Connors. I really do think that Fitzpatrick is going to get popular here just based sure. on yeah. everyone thinking he's not. And then that leaves guys like Burns, Hatton, Finau. There's a lot of guys that you can go Cam Smith that are, are just not going to be as owned. And I think it's still come through and get the job done. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to work backwards here just with the guys that I'm not going to play. Right. So like I mentioned Varner, not going to play him. And then based on the guys that I like, it's basically going to leave me with no Munoz, Kirk, Mitchell, probably no Patrick Reed either, just because I, I can't play them all. Um, <laughs> I would rather like, I, I, I really like Connor's hat and fee now, like those three. Yeah. Um, I, I bet Adam Hadwin uh, just cause it was a very good number, but like, I'm not clicking Adam Hadwin over Hatton and fee now. It's just not going to happen. I mean, what number did you get on Hadwin? He was on FanDuel 65 this morning. Okay. That's a good uh, number then, because I say he's definitely down from there now, but I got a 40 feeling, and 45. Yeah. yeah. I've got a feeling he's going to be the bet boost guy of the week after all the money comes in. We're like, Oh, we'll take some more Adam Hadwin money. Oh no, It's going to be Fitz. I think you it's going to be Fitz because yeah. people have already started bet him at like 16 or 18, whatever he is. Like folks aren't scared of Fitz. Like they can make him 25, 28, 30, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. He I, seems I, like the I, guy I, who's going to yeah. bet a lot. I, I always, uh, you know, cross this line with these guys, but I'll do it again here. I've got no problem doing it and being out there with it. Like Fitz at 18 or 16, I don't care what, even if you got him at 20, like it's yeah. like betting Willie Z at that number. He just doesn't win. He, he, he hasn't on the PGA Tour yet. And what I keep saying, what people can't quite understand is unless you're going to put all your money, and I know there's some out there that do this and will do this, and just bet on Fitz for the week and that's their guy. If you want to do that, then I, I'm fine with it. But if you're going to bet him on yeah, your how's card, how's that working out for and you? Show me six other guys on your card, yeah. and then he wins, and you want to say, "See, Tambo, I told you this guy was going to win." Yeah, you've got like four to one or three to one on him because you yeah. bet all those other dudes, so your payout is that full amount at what he pays out at. So mm-hmm. that's where I have a, a, a problem with something like that. The number is just crazy to bet him at that. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the, the other thing I was going to ask you, because we are flipping into the 8K range, good segue, but was Patrick Reed the worst play in DFS this season all year so far last week at 78? Well, it looks especially bad because at the same price you had Billy Horschel. So. Well, it, that's a results-oriented situation. I agree with yeah. you, but he was over 20% owned, and I don't yeah. even know if he was 20% to finish top 30 last week. Like, the guy was literally... Yeah well over-owned if you ask me well, i think when you compare out, him i yeah i mean yes it was a bad play it, it was a bad play across the board i think when you look at chalk and like, you can look at relative chalk but like look at guys so like i'll use for example neiman who was 8300 reed who was mid seven and then like Steele, who was 66 right all very popular overall all very popular relative for the guys around them but like neiman was underpriced steel was very underpriced patrick reed was not underpriced if he was low sevens I could see playing an 18% Patrick Reed. 
He was yeah. like AK. <laughs> for for people trying to take something away from this, not saying we're right. I'm just this, you know, I want trying to get it out there thoughts wise. The two people that play, put their money where their mouth is, and, and try and figure this stuff out. It's like you said, steel price factor. So look, a lot of the chalk got there last week, but steel was sixty six hundred. I played steel and Neiman in every lineup that I made. And, and I didn't like yeah. steel, so I'm still sticking. To, I'm against you on it because I think yeah. any guy at six K that's ten is all. I would say he's almost as bad as Reed. I said that last yeah. week, but I at least understand you could make the argument for for wise. He was the one that I thought was okay at 7,500. I can see why that's the case. He's basically yeah. like those 8K guys. Homa was in the 8Ks as a multiple winner this year. Neiman won at Genesis. Like these are big wins for guys that just got forced down into a price range where I could see it. But the main thing on Reed was what? He, he went away from his driver. So now he was good again for a couple events. Like that to me, when that gets to 20% and the 7K range is just always loaded with guys, that's where I struggle yeah. And it doesn't always work. It doesn't mean it's right. I'm just, that's why I wanted to frame it up that way to try and talk through it from our perspective, or at least how we saw it. So uh, what are you doing here in this 8K range? It sounds like you won't be going to read with the price bump, especially, but there is some yeah. other guys here in this range that you could go to. It's a very interesting range because everyone's kind of overpriced. Uh, like, yeah. I don't know. I may play Justin Rose, but he's exceptionally overpriced. Uh, I bet Figala at 80, but this price again is, I'm going to play some just because, you know, I obviously like him this week. I think that's overpriced a little bit, but like, I don't know. I, I don't think, um, I, I guess Vegas is the one that I might consider. Um, I'm not going to play Mac Hughes and those guys. Um, if you go down a little bit, I'm, I'm not going to play Todd. I'm not going to play Rasmus Hoygaard. Uh, Pan makes a lot of sense, but feels like he is getting a little bit of ownership and I don't know what his upside is. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's not my favorite. So I would say a little Rose, Figala and Vegas for me. And that's, that's probably it for this range. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things about this week, it'll get talked about a lot with this, obviously an earlier show in the week, but stars and scrubs will be prevalent. And like you said, um, there's ways to go balanced. But when we when you say balanced or when we talk about it, something like we're obviously talking about still being able to use maybe three of those nine, like you'll still go pretty aggressive with yeah. what you're doing with liking Connors, Hat and Finau, those types of guys versus playing the 8K range guys just to be different. So it almost feels like no matter how you want to do it, superstars and scrubs or balanced-esque where you're, going mm -hmm. to the 9K range, but then skipping, it does feel like skipping this range stands out because nobody in here really pops for me, like Vegas. But like you said, he's he's gonna he could still get a little bit popular because he's got the old school course history, not nothing to yeah. do with what the new setup looks like or this course. It's at a completely different course, but he has the RBC Heritage, uh, or RBC Canadian Open Story history. And then he got T37 last week. His odds are decent if you go look at the board and stuff where people look at it that way. Yeah. And then I like the Gala too. I, I think, the I, like I said earlier, that bunker shot on late Sunday, that comes to mind. All of his stats look pretty good. I think he's a higher upside talent than this range is showing because you talked about a guy like Pan, who I had interest in. Uh, I still have interest in. I'll wait and see what happens. But he definitely feels, my notes are, the not sneaky sneaky guy early on <laughs> in the week, right? Oh, I'm going to play CT pan. He looks so yeah. sneaky. And then by the end of the week, he's like 15 to 20%, if not more, because no one can really find someone in this range. And I actually like a few of these guys in the upper seven K range. So I'll click yeah. it over to you first. If nothing else in this eight K range, who are some of the guys in the seven K range that you like? Uh, I mean, the first one, one of my favorite plays, Aaron Rye, just perfect, perfect golf course for him. It's short. You got to scramble a little bit. Uh, and he's really been pretty solid and pretty consistent this year. You know, he's made uh, most of his cuts. He's shown some upside, right? Uh, more upside than, I mean, you look there, what, Mark Hubbard uh, champ has been very inconsistent. Adam Long, 
burned me last week, which was really, really annoying after playing well. Had another crappy day at, at US Open qualifying. Uh, he withdrew after a bad few holes. So <laughs> probably not going to go there again. Uh, I do like Patrick Rogers a little bit. So uh, yeah, Rye for me would be the clear favorite and then have to play Patrick Rogers. Yeah, funny you said that. He'll probably, maybe he'll get popular, but I was going to say, if it, you know, that pan situation there, I was loving Aaron Rye underneath mm-hmm. him five or six made cuts and i know last week if you go look at the stats and pull it up it was all putter but to still pull off a 26th just being able to yep. do that and i think if you look before his irons were better a lot of those previous made cuts so i think if you sure. can just think about rye and his upside uh, at 7900 i think he actually has it so i was interested in him and then mark hubbard is like you say doesn't have a lot of upside but at least he makes the cut so uh, you could go there i might go back to long uh, before his miscut, there's a different scenario here. It's not like a, a CT Pan situation, but 35th, 15th, 12th, and 35th. At least if he gets through, you get something for it. And I like playing guys like that. JJ Spawn, uh, Nick Taylor as a Canadian that I actually might have interest in. Yep. And then I was going to get your thoughts before we go into the $7,500 range, just on like Perez, Fertelli, those two guys. So Perez, mm-hmm. 11 to 13 made cuts. With 26, 12, 9, 6. He's got some numbers mixed in there. Looked okay and pretty good stats for last week also. And then for Telly, surprisingly, I had to go look this up. But 10 of his last 11 made cuts with an 8th, 16th, 35th, like real upside thrown in there as well. So any thoughts on Perez and Fratelli at the bottom of this upper 7K range? Um, yeah, a couple. The, the last thing that I'll say, just because I, I mentioned Patrick Rogers, looks like he's going to get through to the open. So that's good. He's right there, but he looks like he's going to be a shot in. So that's good. Um, I would say Pep Perez for sure over uh, Dylan Fratelli. And it's weird because like in terms of his finishes, Pep Perez has had a great year, right? Been very consistent, a lot of upside, but it's been like all short game. He's yeah. now a good putter and a good scrambler, which is very strange because it used to be iron play and ball striking. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great course for him. I don't know if I trust uh, Dylan Fratelli on a tough golf course where you have to scramble and things like that. Um, he tends to play well when it's firm and windy, he can be a little more creative. Um, and so probably won't go there. Um, there's not much else in here in the mid sevens that I like, but plenty kind of below that in, in the lower sevens. Yeah. It depends on how the course plays out. Right. I guess that's the thing. One thing I was looking at with Fratelli, I was trying to think of it like, the like the masters he had the fifth but there was mm-hmm. a what wasn't there the tournament where he was trying wasn't it the memorial or something where uh, i forget what it was he was wanting to shake jack's hand in the booth because he'd never met jack and I, I thought he played good at one of those but even just recently so 26 at the genesis 16th mm-hmm. at the honda eighth at the valero none of these are the hardest courses but just in general they're they're still decent fields and, yeah. and this is again it's very top heavy but strength of field wise i think he could still find his way through so i don't hate it Take us into this 7,500 down to 7,000. I got, you know, some looks here at Smotherman, Duncan, guys like that, that people are already talking about. And then anything else you're seeing, uh, again, we could have some WDs based on guys getting in to the U.S. Open with their, their yeah. qualifiers today. But what, what are you seeing here, 7,500 down to 7,000? So I'll start there, you know, a few guys that kind of look like they're going to get through to qualifying. Uh, and so they may play, may withdraw. But Bramlett is down there um, at 7,200, like him a lot. Uh, he actually won his qualifier. I yeah. think also Chase Seifert won his in Georgia. He's at 7,100. Doesn't seem like a great course for him. Playing in Georgia does seem like a good course for him, but that'd be someone who I would potentially consider. And then Adam Svensson right on the cusp right now. Looks like he is likely to get in. He's not done yet. So uh, he's probably got a uh, 
at least part 18, probably birdie 18 to get in, but it is a part five. So I expect him to get in. Uh, beyond that, like if we're talking about guys who can scramble and who can play in pretty tough conditions, um, Steven Yeager and Danny Willett and Matt Wallace would be the three that I would kind of focus on. Uh, Willett, probably the worst form of the three. So if I had to cut one, it would be him. Matt Wallace seems to have found something. He had a couple of really good finishes over in Europe the last couple of weeks. And this is the type of course that he would do well on. And then Jaeger, it's kind of interesting because he has a kind of a brand of being the guy who can go low, like Spurdy Fest. But he's actually pretty good around the green. So, um, and the iron play has been great. Um, so I think he's a good player as well. Yeah, I did hear a few mentions on that. So I think that's uh, on, on Jaeger. So I think people will like him, but not, he won't be popular at all. Just to, one yeah. of those guys that will get talked about, but will just be like a, a mediocre ownership number. So if you like him, you can definitely play him. And if you think his talent level is better than some of the guys around him, I would definitely just bump him up there and consider him that way. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference, even if he does pick up a little bit of steam. Uh, what about Lipsky? He's another guy I was going to ask you, but I thought he might get in today, but, but what ended up happening with him? Yeah, he withdrew from the qualifier. Not sure why. Uh, I do like David Lipsky. I think it's a great course for him. He's been really uh, consistent, kind of like Aaron Rye. He's been consistent, but also has shown some upside. Like, yep. just makes a lot of birdies, scores a lot, has a lot of streaks. And you give him a short golf course, and that's perfect for him. So uh, I'm actually considering him for my single entry team. So I think he's a pretty interesting play at 7,300. Uh, some yeah. of the other guys, I'll probably take some shots on here. Again, I'm not going to play many in the 6K range, so I'll, I'll take more shots in here. But Svensson was one of them. It sounds like there's some love out there for him. But I just think, yeah. uh, again, why not? It, it's still – it's also, dude, don't forget the RBC Canadian Open here. Like, uh, even if he gets through yeah. to his qualifier, it's just less stress. He comes in knowing that uh, – what, what was the Homa saying a few weeks ago when he won? He said, like, worst case for me – I'm going to make a boatload of money and I'm still going to have a good finish and be playing well enough to win the PGA championship when he yep. won Wells Fargo. Svensson, what's he going to say? Like it's at my hometown event, right? Exactly. Or my home country event, I should say. I'm going to go in and play. Worst case scenario, I've got my ticket punched for next week to the US home if he gets through. If he doesn't, even more motivation, really, if you think about it. So I like him. Doug Gim uh, might get popular by the end of the week, but he looks to be pretty decent here. And then JT Poston was one that stood out. Just another guy that you look, again, you're going to have to take a shot uh, it's more of a, if he makes the cut, what can you get from it? That's how I always look at these situations. I don't feel great about him, but yeah. third at the heritage ninth at the Wells Fargo 37th last week at the Memorial at 7,200. He could be a guy that rounds out your lineup completely at, at the last guy in. And if that's your upside, I've got no problem with that. I don't think the courses are similar at all, but if you take a place like heritage, well, Wells Fargo is actually probably more similar to be honest, but heritage mm -hmm. place your ball in the right place off the tee. You can club down in spots, need to get yourself lined up for it. doesn't compare. It's more about how some of that stuff could still add up to being able to make a cut. And then what his upside is from being able to make the cut, I think is more than most than just the quote unquote safe play down in this range. So any other thoughts there on any other guys in the seven? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I do here with this range, because again, there's a lot of guys you can play, which we mentioned, you know, I, I try and narrow it down. I don't go too stat heavy here, but I try and narrow it down by form. Right. And then I also look at comp courses, which we didn't really talk about. They didn't do course history. I'm not going to give away all my comp courses, but I will say I ran, I think it was five or six uh, comp courses that are ran here. And uh, the two names from this range that popped that we already mentioned, one was Adam Svensson and one was Steven Yeager. So definitely going to play those two. Um, I think they'd be my favorites from this list. Yeah, I like it. Like I said, again, it's just it's more about too. Like I, I talk about this all the time. It's like, Oh, but they, this sucks about them or these stats aren't good or whatever. It's like, I don't yeah. really care. 
because I'm playing them. I'm not putting them in my pool if I don't think they're making the cut. And yeah. if they do make the cut, it's what can they do for me from there? And that's where so many people get confused with like, um, you know, the scoring and how it works. And they're like, oh, but my guy made the, I got six of six and it went backwards. <laughs> well, yeah, your, your guy, your fifth and sixth guy, both in your lineup, drop back to like 60th. That's not going to do it. Yeah. Just because they made the cut isn't the important piece. You need that upside once they get through. And it sounds obvious. People are like, no shit. But at the same time, it's, that's the truth. And so many times people get caught up in that. Like, ah, oh, he's the safe play. If he can do it, I like that. And it gets talked about sometimes or even made fun of, but I like that in higher stakes. When I only got to beat a thousand people in a 555, yeah. I'll play a guy like Zalatoris there because I think if he comes T18 and falls apart on Sunday, he might still be good enough in my six to six with some of the scoring with whatever that he still ends up because I'm, I'm getting leverage in other spots in the build. But in a large field, it's just an easy X in a lot of cases at a birdie fest, I, like when it was brought up a few weeks ago, because a guy like Zalatoris, where I need a perfect lineup, in a birdie fest, when you're getting sure. your six and six, I just didn't feel good about him there. But I think it's something like higher stakes. It's no problem having him where the six to six becomes a little bit more important. And then just finding some upside out of the weekend. Obviously, the perfect lineup there gets the job done, too. But my point is more you can get away with it. Usually 50 to anywhere to 100 points difference some weeks. So uh, let's move on. The 6K range will go pretty quick. I talked about it earlier. 92 or 93 guys. Feels like 85 of them are unplayable. Uh, talk to me about Goddard up. I know you got a sales pitch for him. And then who are some of the other guys you like in this range? Yeah, I guess working, uh, yeah, working our way down. Uh, you mentioned Adam Shank. He's probably won. You know, just been pretty good. Uh, had a really good ball striking the last couple of weeks. Really good iron play at the Memorial. I think he gained like seven, yeah. eight shots approach last week. So, um, and that was a pretty strong field. Also has a couple of top tens this year. So there is upside there. He just made a bogey, but he's T5 in his qualifier with one hole to go. So it looks like he'll get through as well. Uh, he's in that same one as, as, as Adam Svensson. So kind of watching both of them. Uh, going down below that, uh, Vaughn Taylor makes sense in terms of the course uh, and kind of what you need to do here. But it's just not a guy that I play and not a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, I will play Callum Terran, who also uh, qualified today. Um, he also made a bunch of cuts, has a couple top tens this year. He does a lot of things really well. Like he drives it long enough. The irons can be really, really good. Uh, he's just a terrible putter, uh, but we see that all the time and we play a lot of terrible putters. So why well, not? And too, we talked earlier, but like if you get the faster undulating greens, that's where we see it all the time at these courses where the bad putters come through because it's just, you know, it's sort of offsets yeah. it for everybody. So yeah, the best putters win at the end of the week, but it's usually the best putters for that week, not the best putters on the stats coming in for yeah. the lifetime or last 50 rounds. Yeah, exactly. And then, so yeah, I mean, that's really about it. And then Chris Goderup. So again, he, uh, he tied for first medalist at a very difficult qualifier today up in New York. Um, and uh, yeah, MCAAs, he was one shot back of, of the playoff for the individual title, missed about a five footer on 17 and maybe a four footer on 18. So he could have won the thing outright. Uh, but one of the best amateurs here, I think it was Puerto Rico where he had a top 10 finish as well. His only tour appearance. So just does a lot of things really, really well. And I mean, we've seen these sorts of amateurs make these cuts, uh, not just here, but at the U S open as well. So I have a lot of interest in him at 6,300 because he does open up a lot where you could play, let's say Rory plus another stud. So if you want to go that route and you're not going balanced, I think Chris Goddard makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And again, what, like, what do you see happening here? Even if he picks up some steam, like where, where do you see him getting to? Oh, 4%, 3%. Like it's not going to be more than that, but because pricing is tighter, I think he's going to turn into a, Oh, I can click him in and 
get Rory plus JT or something like that, you know? Yeah. As the week goes on, I'm sure it'll get brought up, even though if it, I think, again, it's just a conversation piece around leverage. If he gets to seven or 8% and that's what you feel like he's going to be at, I think you could still play 15% and take an aggressive yeah. stance here. Like he is one of the better players down here. You talked about it a little, but like Haskins award winner, may, yeah. maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem like another Panda we've got on our hands here. So we'll have to wait and see, but no, just and a much he's kind of going under the radar too, with all these other amateurs, the uh, Cootie brothers from, from Texas and Chikara and the freshman who just won the title. Like he's as good as any of them. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think he's a great player. And you mentioned too, the T7 at Puerto Rico. So when he did get his shot, he came through there. He had to win yeah. an event too, to even earn that. It wasn't like a special exemption. He got in based mm-hmm. on a, a, a amateur event that led him into it and then yep. goes on to finish T7. And then now you've got uh, the situation where look, it's another situation like the Svensson thing. If he gets in, I don't think he WDs out of this. It's another tour opportunity for him to get out there, get some practice, get in some reps, and try and get the job done. So I really yeah. like that. And you talk about motivation at the guys at the top. What about the motivation from a guy like him at the bottom? Time to come in and prove himself in a good spot when he might actually have already punched his ticket to next week by the time. I think he did today. You said it, right? Yeah. He already got his. Yeah, he already yeah. he's done. Sorry. He's it's in. not like Svensson and, and Shank where we're waiting to see if they get it. He's already in. So. Uh, quite handily, it sounds like. Yeah, Shank should so. be good. Svensson's tied for 12th. He's done. He did not put the last hole, but there's 13 spots. So um, it would take guys like Putnam and Chez Reeve to pass him, and I don't see, I don't see that happening. So he's probably <laughs> right. good. I'm, I'm good with that range. I don't have much else to add. I was sort of with you on those guys. I like the Terran call you brought up. Uh, yeah. I'll take a shot on um, John Halsborough, PGA Tout on Twitter. He, he put me on this guy a few weeks back. Scott Guchewski. Scott Kachuski, I think his name is. This guy looks like the stats line up quite well, just going backtrack and looking. Uh, I'll take a shot on him here. I think it's just another interesting guy that you could play down here uh, for a little bit more money. And there's really like nobody down below with you on Shank. I don't play Von Taylor either, so have a hard time going there. Don't see much besides the the models show him and the stats like him, but not something I'm going to be too interested in. There was a lot of guys in that 7K range that we talked about that you can play, especially in that lower 7k range so we can move on yep. let's go to bets uh, we mentioned some of them along the way what do you got for bets this week bear off yeah pretty uh pretty tight card for me this week uh, i got Finau 30 got tyrell hatton at 33 i got hadwin at 65 and i got sahith at 80 to 1 okay. that's it I've got uh, four right now i didn't go heavy i didn't bet anybody at the top yet actually i bet keith mitchell at 50 I bet Figala at 66. Again, I'm getting the each way on these, so it changes the numbers a little bit from some of the sites out there. Rye at 100. And then I bet Smotherman at 140. We didn't talk a lot about him. I I usually like his stats. I'll take a shot on him. I feel like I bet him enough times, and if he's still going to stay at 140, I can keep going there. You know, I I messed up big time with Keith Mitchell, the aforementioned Keith Mitchell, back in the day at the Honda when I'd bet him all those times and then didn't bet him at the Honda that time at like 150. And he went on to ship it. So definitely interested in Smotherman for at least that purpose. I'll play him some in DFS as well. And then the Goddard up top 40 plus 300. I don't do the, the mortgage bets on Twitter, but I mean, that's, no. that's a bet I'll take a shot on uh, for a bigger number just because, you know, it's not bad. And T40, I think is definitely possible. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, sure. you can, you can amp it up from there. If you feel better about a T20 or something, of course you get better odds, but at plus 300, I'm very comfortable with that for a T40 for him. And like you said, I like his talent. I like everything about him. So coming in there and you can still use a lot of them on DraftKings as well. So I got no problem with that. 
Uh, one and done. We talk about that on here. What What do you got for one and done this week? You have any? Yeah, left? I, mean, I, I I have I have Scheffler, and I was gonna do it, but I'll just save him for a major. It could be. It's probably gonna be next week. Yeah. Uh, I used Tiro Hatton this week for one and done. Yeah, I have him. I debated. I think it's gonna be between him and Fitz for me because I still have Fitz, and I think because I just feel like Fitz is gonna get steamed so heavily again. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. he's a bad play. Just I just think that's gonna be. A, I think a lot of people may have used him though, right? I feel like one of these past few weeks, I don't know. Yeah, they, you, you can check the percentage on there too. I probably have it right here just to see it, just so I know. But uh, but know. I'm just going to say Scheffler for a higher prize pool, obviously. Yeah, Fitz is still 51% remaining. So, you know, half the yeah, field has him. Yeah, probably see another 20% gone this way. Yeah, I, I might do it just because I, I don't mind sort of doing it that way where yeah. I can play him there and move off be- in the large field stuff, especially. But we'll see how. Uh, everything else shakes out, but I think yep. that's going to do it, man. Is there any of the, the live golf bets you had that you, you wanted to bring up again? I feel bad because they're all gone, but I, right. mean, I just decided, look, it's, it's a weird field. It's a small field. It's a short event. It's on a kind of classical shorter Euro golf course. So hopefully that is bad for DJ and bad for the Americans coming over. And this is going to be a wide open thing. So um, the, uh, the shortest guy that I bet is burned. Uh, but he was 66 this morning and now he's about 18. So, um, yeah, I just bet four bombs. I have burned, I have Adrian Otegi, I have Scott Vincent and I have, uh, Justin Harding. Um, all of them have been slashed. I wouldn't suggest necessarily betting them at their current prices, but I don't think one of the top guys is going to win. If I had to pick one, it'd be Kevin. Nah. I just think it's the perfect golf course for him. He has been very transparent. Doesn't give a shit. He's here for the money. Um, but it's a short, kind of uh euroish course and i think he's the guy at the top that i would take yeah and he sets up well for it like you said another guy where they all love money clearly but at the same time he's a guy that i think actually is capable to go and get it so i don't hate that i know uh mayo was tweeting out earlier he's putting together some he put up rory with louie as a as a double so you can you can do a lot of different things yeah there's just some with it. Uh, look i mean nobody knew and and it's funny because a lot of these sites copy odds from bet365 and bet365 didn't post anything until like you said about an hour or so ago so they were just making shit up i mean adrian otegi has been 25 to 30 to 1 in most euro tour events probably should be about 40 to 1 in this field and bovada put him out at 150 this morning like yeah. just i don't know if it was a mistake just didn't make any sense so like stuff like that happened uh, Scott Vincent, and again, like I don't know how you weigh other tours. He won the Asian Tour event last week in London. The week before, won a Japan Tour event. Yeah, uh, and he's a hundred to one. Like I don't know, guy just won yeah, two in yeah. a row. I mean, you got some incredible fair. numbers for sure. Uh, if you had to pick one of them to bet at their current number, just based on skill, and say like someone just wanted to put one bet down, they don't care that they didn't get the good odds because they just are they are gonna do what I said earlier with yeah. Fitzpatrick. You're just gonna bet one guy. And 30 to one still pretty good if you put a hundred bucks on it yeah. and you don't bet the rest of the board and you could just do it that way. Who would be the one of your four that you feel best about? Or, or, or what do you think of it from that perspective? Yeah, I, I might say none of them. Um, and who, and who would it be? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think now that kind of those guys are down in like that 18, 20, 25 range, like, I don't know, I might just rather do like horse field um, yep. or go with like Poulter, who's now probably 40 or 50 to one. Like, I just don't want to bet anybody short in these fields because you just don't know. But um, I like that. 
Yeah, no, I yeah, like maybe one. Like of I said, guys. again, not everyone's going to get the early numbers. That's just how things shake out on everything on even on the regular stuff on the PGA tour. So uh, sometimes it just comes down to like, again, what you're comfortable with. And like I said, if you just bet the one guy or yeah. pick two at 40 to one, I don't think that's a problem because you put 200 down. If one of them wins, you win 4,000. So it's like, you know, you can no, do that. All these Euro guys are very much in play. Poulter, Keimer, GMAC doesn't really matter. It's the kind of course that they can do well on. And I'm like we said, there's probably 20 or 25 guys who can win. And yeah. the rest can't. So yeah, I can't really fault you. Just kind of pick the numbers that you like. Yeah, we're we're all. I mean, if you if you like the disruption, you're cheering for like a big underdog to get this thing done on the first event. And I'm we're, cheering and for again, Adrian Otegi, 150 to one. Yeah, yeah that's what you're cheering for, of course. <laughs> but uh, like I said, e- either way, I think that's going to be the fun of it, and that's what's going to keep this train moving, right? Yeah. Is if we keep seeing this stuff and we can bet on it like this and have fun with it and have these winners sit and have these things happen. I definitely see it. Even if we don't get to heavy DraftKings contests, like I mentioned earlier, that's fine. You can still bet on it. It can still be a good watch. We'll have to see livegolf.com, YouTube, yeah. and Facebook. They said for this time is where we can watch it. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Appreciate you again, as always, Bearoff coming on. Uh, let's round this thing out, man. Let the people know where they can find you. Sure. Yep. Uh, on Twitter, our Bearoff 427 on the Golflandia podcast with Wiley, which we will record tomorrow night, assuming no tech issues. Um, and yeah, DMs are open. So ask me questions. I don't know any more than you do, but feel free to ask. <laughs> you're always there to help though. And you love chatting. I know I that. love chatting. I look, I work from home. I'm on the computer all day. So stuff pops up. I'm here pretty easy. Yeah. And golf is obviously very easy to talk about for us. Yeah. As we just put on a, a longer pod than usual, but hopefully it was good. You guys, like I said, if you liked it, go on here, hit the subscribe button for Mayo media network, hit the like button for us. And don't forget to put in the comments your favorite fade $8,000 or up and why that'll get you an extra ballot into the draw. And then any five-star review with a five-star rating. So you're just putting it in on Apple podcasts, helps us out a ton, keeps these shows free, helps us move up those charts. That's what we want to do. Reach out. If you have any other questions for me, you can find me on Twitter at toe tag and Tambo. Follow me there. If you don't want to turn on the notifications, that's fine, but definitely check it out Wednesday mornings. I will have Tambo's tidbits out. It's my 15 favorite finds free from around the industry with the article source, the writers, whoever it might be that puts their stuff out there. It's very helpful, I think, for most. And on top of that, I'm doing a contest. So just to finalize the show out, last week got just over 300 retweets of the main thread. That's three tickets I'm giving away, $100 Millimaker tickets for the U.S. Open for my own self to give out, just to give back. Doing the same for this week. So as many for every 100 retweets, it's another ticket. So we get 500 retweets this week. It'll be eight tickets total. Three last week, five this week, up to a maximum of 10. So if you can get us to seven or retweets this week, it helps out. Follow on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Retweet it, retweet it when it comes out. Other than that, runpuresports.com. See the hat. Head on over there. You can use our promo code from this show, DGEN50, D-E-G-E-N-5-0. Gets you 50% off your first month. You can try it out. All sports, one price. We've got NBA playoffs rounding out, MLBs in full form, UFC events uh, for MMA. You've got NASCAR, of course, all the PGA stuff. And that's where I do the premium show every week with Big T, Uncle T Wednesday nights where we're going through roster construction, player pools, bets, all the stuff we're doing and taking guys against each other, figuring out where the chalk lies, how we can be a little bit different with our lineups. Hopefully that can help you guys out a ton. So runpuresports.com, promo code DGEN50. Other than that, we're out of here for Bear Off, for myself, Totag, and Tambo. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfort. Second penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words. I done popped the molly and I think it's be my third.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.